the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. And if you are listening for the first time, welcome on board. This is a show where we speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers to look at ways that we can help you improve your driving school and potentially become an even more awesome driving instructor. And today we're specifically looking at ways that we can help you improve your driving school because if you look at the artwork for my podcast, you will see a lovely image of me. I might be doing some funky little pose or just stood there with my hands on my hips. Whatever it is I'm doing, I am speaking to the creator of that image and we are talking about branding. We are looking at ways that we can make your driving school unique, ways that you can make our driving school stand out. We are looking at ways you can do it for free and we're looking for ways that you can do it by investing a bit into yourself. I'm talking to the one wonderful Ian Blakeman who does all my cover art and my avatars including some ones you haven't yet seen so excellent episode well worth a listen especially as we head into what potentially might be quite a tough period for driving instructors coming up even though we've had a wealth of work recently that may be starting to dry up a little bit now especially with a potential recession coming so it's a great podcast listen to to help you build up your driving school before we dive into the show just a quick shout out i would love it if you could share this show or share this episode so you can share it on social media you can share it on your whatsapp groups you can share it wherever you like but it would be awesome if you could. It would also be awesome if you could subscribe. So wherever you are, wherever you're listening, make sure you go and click subscribe. And if you're feeling extra generous, leave us a nice little five-star review. And if you hang about to the end of the show, I will be reading out a couple of my reviews. But that's enough from me. Let's dive into the show. And on the Instructor Podcast today, I am joined by the ever-delightful Ian Blakeman, who has risen from his COVID illness to join me for this podcast. How are you feeling, Ian? I am I'm warm and comfy. I've got a hot water bottle on my lap. I've got a nice new jumper to keep me, to keep me at the right temperature at the moment. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> I think it just shows the calibre of people I get on this show that you're willing to rise from your slumber. Um, oh, your anything illness. for you. Anything for you. I will hold you to that. It's been recorded, <laughs> so I'm good to go. Uh, no, I, I'm delighted for you to join us today. Um, I think early on in the year it was, you recorded a, a special bonus episode with me for my premium subscribers. And um, it was a show I do called One Way Street where we kind of take a, a bit more of an obscure topic and go into it. And I thought, do you know what? This will actually work on the main feed as well. So we've got you back on for that. So do you want to just tell the lovely listeners a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do? So I said, my name's Ian. I am an artist and illustrator by trade. Um, uh, did a degree and all that sort of stuff and then came out and was like, well, how am I going to do this? And I've always been one for helping people. And it was not until a good friend of mine um, uh, and a copyright, Mark Kingdon, came to me and was like, Ian, you, you're really good at art, but something seems to be missing. You seem to be very bad at business. And I was like, yeah, that gels for most artists. So he got me involved in a lot of groups. And then I found out there was this place where people wanted what they all 
then called content. I was like, what, what is this content? What is content? And that's what started to happen. I started to help people with visual content. Um, and then they were like, yeah, that's what's called branding. You're branding people. I was like, that sounds painful. Isn't that like a hot poker? No, no, no. Branding is, and I have to learn step by step. And now it's all just commonplace. So, yeah, I, I help people with their branding. And it's not just about, like, visuals. Um, I, I can draw for – I've had clients come to me and just say, draw this for me. And I was like, cool, you know what you want? There we go, done. Others, it's working with them. And uh, one of my traits that I'm pretty good at I, – I, I feel weird saying that now. I'm getting better at being positive about myself – is getting, getting the ideas out of someone's head and slowly evolving them into what they want because people come to me and they've got this very blurred vision of what they what they want and I can just draw something and go there you go that's that's what you're saying but sometimes it's worth just digging a bit deeper and and listening and going to someone's website and finding out more about them personally as well like a big thing can be just learning like well I'm quite lucky that a lot of my clients have become friends afterwards because I get to know them and like they're awesome people. So, so yeah, I then help them with various different things. It can be as simple as maybe just helping them with a, a Facebook banner or just some content to go on a newsfeed, right up to designing avatars. Um, I point, I don't know if it is going to be above <laughs> my head when, but obviously like Terry himself has come to me and said, can you draw me? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. He's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Um, but it's looking at what we can then, do from that so obviously he's like it'd be nice if I could have road signs I was like well we'll do your road signs then but every person's different everyone wants something different they all have this imaginary world in your head if you like and I just have to take that world out and then I say put onto paper because they used to do traditional but it is digital paper now and then from there it's just then being able to make that repurposable for the person so the one thing I then do afterwards isn't just right here's the image now if you want this changing pay me loads more money I'm, I'm not about that like it's making something that they can reuse it time and time again in various different ways and even making it so it's easy to edit as well and that's generally because of the consideration for my clients they come back to me again and say oh what you did was awesome can we do this now and it's just always about that level of service I'm, I've been in the um, service industry as a chef as well as just generally working as kitchen assistants and customer service is paramount. It's just one of those things. Like you make people happy, they come back to you. So yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. I mean, lots of good stuff there that I want to come back on, but I think just before I do, I want to ask you the question that I ask everyone uh, when they come on the show. Uh, Cause the tagline for this show is that I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers. And this is a question that no one likes me asking. But which of those categories, or more, you know, could be warmer than one, uh, which of those categories do you fall into? I, li- I like the idea of innovator, um, mainly because I like to take what people do and try to push it forwards. Like the, the thing about when people have an image of themselves, and this happens a lot, people kind of have the negative side. Like they're really good at seeing good things in themselves, but they'll always tend to be like, oh, but this and oh, that. So it's inspiring and innovating people to then go the next step, like to actually like take their branding and go, no, you are this amazing person. Because as much as I do visuals, one thing like I've been learning about is the actual word side of it. I'm, I'm not a wordsmith. I'm, I'm okay at writing, but learning about your own voice. And that ties into the images as well. Like if 
if you are yourself and finding someone's self is a big thing in art, you can better portray yourself to the world. And I mean, portrait, portraits, that's essentially what the avatars are. They're a quick image to say, this is who I am. And though they might seem simple to someone, they're recognizable images because um, they, they're bright and colorful, but it's also, they tell the message straight away. Like, is this person fun? Is is there is the sort of a, a certain color scheme that is interesting? That it sounds like a strange thing, but if someone's got like obnoxious neon colors, I've got plenty of people who'd be like, "Oh, what's with that?" But I've got friends who, if they see obnoxious neon colors, they are drawn towards it like a moth to a flame. So all of these things tie in, and it's going to someone and going, "Right, let's take you to the next level. Let's let's do this." So I like the idea of innovator. I am an expert. I, I I have to be told that on a regular basis by certain people where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's easy. And they're like, it's easy for you. And you've been doing it for years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is that years of experience and skill and everything. And that is something I have to remind myself of. That's that's a strange thing to say, but it's very much a, a sort of when it, someone will ask me a question, it's like, oh, can I really comment on this? And I have to be like, yes, you can, because you know, <laughs> tell them. And changing language as well, where it's like, well, I think you could possibly do this, but I'm not quite sure to now going forward and saying, well, this has worked. I can say this, I've done this for people. You could do, you could try this and you're different in this way. So maybe push that. So that I know as well that I am an expert under that, that that is always there. It's just really hard to say, yeah, I'm an expert in my field. It's like the imposter syndrome. It's like, are you? And it's like, go away. I've stated it now. I um, I loved how forcefully you said it, though. I am an expert. It's like, try to drum it into your own brain while you say it. But, yeah. But it, yeah. it is an awkward thing to admit, but... I, you know, it depends what you consider an expert, I suppose. Because for me, you're a hell of a lot more an expert than I am around this stuff. You're going to be more of an expert than 99% of people that are listening to this this podcast. So therefore, you are an expert to us, you know. And, and I think that they're probably people that you would hold in higher esteem than yourself, and they're an expert to you. And I think that it's just how we look at it. We're always going to be an expert to someone, but someone else will be an expert to us. Yeah, well, the one of the ways I had it described to me that really helped was that you. A lot of people compare themselves. Well, I'm not as good as this, and this person does this better. That will always be true. That will always be true. That that someone can do something that you want to do, they'll always be able to do it better. But you haven't seen what they've strived with to be able to do that better. So it's best to just look at your situation. And someone said, look back in like over four years of what you've done. And like, how much have you grown? What what can you do better? How have you improved? What do you need to carry on improving to be the next level? And then the other thing they said is, if you went back to 14-year-old you and went, this is what I do now, would they be like completely like, oh, wow, I learned to do that? And I was like, oh, my God, that really hit home. Because, yeah, if I go back with the artwork I do now and go like, this is what I do, and we help people, and people use our artwork as part of their business, 14 year old me would be like that's not me that I didn't I couldn't have done that there's no way I could because that means talking to people 14 year old me spoke to no one so part of it is looking at yourself and how much you've grown and I think that's what makes you the expert in the end like you 
growing on yourself, accepting there are people out there. Because my my look at it is graphic designers are a different trade to illustrators. We're both artists in one respect, but graphic designers have a different way of looking at things. And because of that, they might be better suited to someone. Um, usually graphic design is, I always, I, I don't mean it in a mean way. It's very mathematical. Like graphic design often has a, you do this, this happens and you get this. And graphic design can be very, like, um, very sort of solid edges is the only way I can describe it. It doesn't feel very airy fairy or fluffy where my ideas can be very weird and strange, but to some people I've worked with that idea of just crisp clean and, and yeah, just doesn't fit with who they are. And that's what branding is all about. It's you are selling who you are. If you make it look nothing like who you are, someone's going to come to you and be like, Hey, and you're just going to, Oh, I don't want to work with this person because they're nothing like the client I want. And that's part of the importance of branding. If I'm not the person to branding for somebody's business because I draw cartoons and they're like, cartoons are for kids. I'm completely okay with that. That is that is what they think. They need someone else completely different. And I would never hold them to anything other than that because that's who they are. But I've worked with people. Um, a client of mine, um, um, Amanda, Amanda Leake, fantastic person but the one thing I love about her isn't just her energy or anything else that she brings to her business that's all great what I love is the 12 pages of messages I get as I get her brain empty out its ideas and sort of follow a train of thought and I can literally see her her brain working on the page and I can pull the bits out and work with what she's telling me she if she did that to someone who was a bit more business driven very straight clean edge they'd be like why are you telling me all this this has got nothing to do with me just tell me what to draw so they, they would not work with her at all so yeah I love that that energy that this brought is what working with me is best I will I will take the the neurodiverse and the strange and the weird and the outcasts and they can all come to me and I'll be like yeah let's work together we're all weird <laughs> yes um including someone that might text you and say can you draw me as hellraiser please um yeah something like that yeah the, uh, the belly button ring wasn't expected on that one but it was all good um but but you, you can't... it's when when you start looking at these images you sort of see these things and go oh i'm gonna add that one in now <laughs> um yeah that wasn't you know that wasn't accurate that wasn't a real reflection of my belly button ring i will say that um but now the you kind of got back onto branding there so let, let's start onto that I'm going to cast, start off with a really, probably a, quite a poor question, but a broad one. What, what is branding? What do we mean by branding? I think it's sort of what I said. Branding is taking forward who you are and what your business does and setting it so people recognize it. So we're for some like having like an avatar and a title and, and these things that come together that just makes them recognizable is part of it. But really, branding is about going, who am I? What do I do? And how do I get that across? Because images are great for stopping people scrolling. Scrolling, stopping images are a big, important thing these days because um, they say most people are looking on buses. They're sat on a bus heading to work and they're just flicking through their phone and they want an image to like you want an image that goes stop. And you go, oh, and then you read the the copy, the, the words after it. And that's it. That's a huge, important thing. Like if you haven't figured all of that out and everything doesn't quite gel together. So it isn't just about images. It's not just about the words. It's not just about what you do. 
branding is taking all of those things and making them work together. And it is making them work together. If you've got fruity, fun images and it's like, oh, wow, this person's fruity and fun. And then you read the copy and it sounds <laughs> like it's being read monotonely. And it's like, do you want my thing? My thing is great. Let's do the thing now. People are going to carry on scrolling. Now, some people might want that copy, but if they see the fruity, fun imagery, they'll go, oh, that's that's just a meme or a cartoon or something silly. I'm just going to flash past that. So it's making all of that come together. So a big thing can be like um, if someone comes and goes, oh, I want this kind of image and this is what I do. Part of me will will be able to go away and say, well, they want something maybe more silly and more fun or less, not so much less silly, less fun, but maybe a little less towards the kind of overtly over the top um, when it comes to artwork. Like because I've drawn everything from just avatars like yourself, like just a, a, a person and they can be fun like the posing of you is fun i think we had this discussion where when when you first came to me and you were sat going oh, i've got all these ideas and but i don't know how to pose myself and i was like well your hands need to be doing this because your hands move you you're a person who gestate is that a gestate you gesture all the time like there's always this energy to you and the character has to then be doing something with the hands because of that because that's who they're going to get on the podcast that's that's who they're going to get when they meet you in person that is who you are. If you were like straight arms down the side, then that would have been translated into the avatar. If there hadn't been that energy, that, that it wouldn't have been, but that gets pulled into that. So that's a big part. Same with the copy. I mean, I've worked with copywriters and learning how to do it myself. The thing they say is one of the easiest things to do to begin with is if you want to write something, but you don't know how, how to make it sound like you, read it or just say it and record yourself and then listen to how you sound. And like I was always worried about things like spelling and making it as serious as possible because I thought that's just what you had to do. And it's like, no, no, you need to make it your voice. You need to make it the way you sound. So that's like the word. You've then got the images and that's it. That's it all has to come together. So that's that is branding to me. It is it is taking you forward and saying this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is how I do it. And the how I do it part, because I mean, what you could have. 10 people come to you and say, I, I, I am a driving instructor. This is what I do. I instruct people to drive. You have 10 people say that. But if someone's more dressed in a clown outfit, honking, maybe you wouldn't go with them. But they're more fun and fruity. Or there might be someone who's in a tie and a, hello, I do driving instructor. Would you like that? And some people are going to like them. And those 10 people can all get as much business as they want, as long as the person coming to them knows what they're getting. If they just come in and, and, you know, you're like, you see, oh, I'm a driving instructor and you get there and the guy's in a clown outfit and his car does have odd shaped wheels and everything. It's like, ah, I was not expecting this. I'm going to go. But if that's what they knew they were coming into, I know it's a silly idea, but that is it. If, if they knew they were coming into that, they're going to be up for that. Like if someone's like, this is the guy for me. I want to learn on a wobbly wheel car. <laughs> I can do this. I can drive anything. No, I think you're uh, you're hundred percent right though, and, and I think you know I think of my because at the minute I I drive a mini, and you know I put that in my pictures when I put it online and uh, you know social media and stuff, and I genuinely still get people coming to me because I drive a mini. They want to learn in a mini. It's not always about me. They see they see that, and that's part mm. of it, and and that's the that visual thing that draws people in. But the the other thing I want to touch on there is. Um, getting yourself across and putting yourself out there as you were saying in that I think it took me an awful long time to kind of let myself be the person I wanted to be not just 
in public, but actually in in sort of real life. And the the story around that that is relevant, I believe, although I'm prone to tangents as we both are, is um, I started off with a driving school called Red Driving School, and I used to get all my students through then. And at first I was a little bit disillusioned with the job because I kept getting people that I didn't necessarily get on with. I got on with a lot of them. Some of them were brilliant, but were kind of butting heads quite a bit. And I just thought, well, this, you know, this isn't ideal. I don't want to be stuck in a car of people I don't like. But then when I left and went by myself, I started getting on better with my customers. And it kind of clicked for me that what it was that when I was just read, I was being sent customers. When I was by myself, my customers are choosing me. And they were choosing mm-hmm. me because that was coincided with the time that I started putting myself online more. And I was doing lives and I was, like you were talking about copy then. And all right, I didn't have the images that you'd done for me, but I was doing sort of different images and different visual representations for me as well. So is that important? Is that is that kind of what you're meaning? Yeah, it very much is. And a lot of people have a similar story when when they first like when I first thought, like I said, I was trying to be the gray suit business person. I thought that's I guess that's what you do. This is this is what business is. It's you're trying to make money. You better be serious. And then it was a lot of people coming to me and saying, no, just be you be who you are. That's what people will buy. They will buy who you are. And I mean, like, you know, you have big companies now and big branding. And, you you know, if you think of just supermarkets where you've got like Asda and Sainsbury's, there is a certain customer loyal to the, loyalty to them where people like, oh, I only shop at Sainsbury's because of this. But most people, if you're in desperate need, you'll just walk into any of them. But there are certain shops where I don't mind paying extra because the actual customer service and the people behind it are just nicer and more fun. It's not just a, a you know, a, a faceless corporation. It's people running a shop. And that can be just as important. If you've got really good customer service, and I, especially like in today's climate where like people are struggling for money, so they're being more careful, like just being that extra, like knowing who you're going to and the person being like, yeah, I like this person. I want to go to them is is going to be paramount. Like, I, I mean, and I, uh, there's a few stories where like I've, I've had it, like one of my first ever clients where I was getting into this, I, I just wanted a client to be able to say, Oh, I've, I've done something. I've now physically done this. And it, in the end I'd undercharge because this person just kept asking for, for more and more and different things. And I was like, I didn't know how to deal with that at that point. Like, how do I say no to this? Because I didn't want to offend them. But that was me putting myself beyond what I needed to because they were pushing the boundary. So I had to learn that lesson, and I did. And I've got better at saying, hey, that's not what we agreed to. That's not what we're about. But if you want that, I can do that. But we need to look at this. And because I'm honest and upfront, like, the answer's usually yes. There's a few people who say no because budgets and everything – but that, 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 again, that customer service of who I am, the friendly go-to, like when it comes to my other branding stuff, there's prices for that. But people come to me and just ask questions. And at no point have I gone, ooh, you're going to have to buy a course on that if you want to know. I don't do courses. Maybe one day in the future I'll do courses. But right now I'm very much like, oh, you want to have a try of this? Or, or go and see that person. They do that better than I do. Go and Go and do this. And it means that I still have that connection where they'll go, hey, this person is looking for what you do. So it builds up a nice reputation as well. So branding can even tie into that where 
if you don't just sort of sit as this faceless corporation, even if you're just working for yourself, if you have this approachability, if you have this whole brand that is who you are, people will come to you and maybe now and again, you might not make a sale, but you'll make someone who will help you with a sale in the future. People have not used my artwork and gone, I I can't use this, but then have gone on to refer me because they know I can offer the same to that person and they will want it. So yeah, it's, I mean, like anything artistic and creative, it's very grey. It can change and and move and and it's always different. You'll probably ask someone else and go, oh, Ian's talking out of his behind. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I think you're right because, I mean, this isn't necessarily a branding. Well, I suppose it is. It's not a visual branding thing, but I've got people in my local community that, that recommend me and they've never been on a driving lesson with me you know they recommended me because one last six i in particular because she passed test with someone else and she'd gone on to the local group talking about um how she's struggling to drive post test because she's seen drivers act differently around her and i just like dropped me a message i'll have a chat and i had a chat with her and it helped her a little bit like that and we didn't have less or anything but she now recommends me publicly and doesn't recommend her instructor which i think is brilliant but so yeah. you don't have to have a customer to get them to recommend you. But you you also mentioned there about um, almost like the, the cost of living crisis and, and people are struggling more financially now. And, you know, we continue to uh, gently trundle on towards a potential recession. So how important is it that as we gently trundle on towards a potential recession that, that we do stand out, that we're not just one of 40,000 driving instructors, we actually stand out as somewhat different. Well, I mean, in the end, it's it's that memorability because you might not have money now, but you might have money later. Like whatever you're doing, you might have that money to spend later on. So a week, a month, a year, whatever it is, there'll be a certain point where you're like, I've got the cash to do this. Maybe I can do it now and I will do it with. And that could come from a load of things. That could be going onto Facebook and saying, hey, I want to learn how to drive. Who's the best? And if your branding has made you so recognizable, then people are going to be like, like you say, someone who hasn't even been your customer recommends you. So that standing out very much is important because when that person goes onto social media and goes, hey, does anybody know this? Suddenly you're the one getting tagged. And I, and I had it happen recently. Someone was looking for some artwork and said, does anybody know any artists before I go on? Now, I hadn't seen, I didn't know the person. I didn't see the post. What I did see was the three separate people who all tagged me in the post saying, you should ask Ian. Ian can probably do this. And I'm like, what am I getting tagged about? And when I went, talked to this person. And yeah, they were like, you're totally the right person for me. I didn't know that person until I was tagged. And that's the same thing with branding for anything. If you are visible, if you are seen more above anyone else, it might not mean right now you will make the money. But there is always that chance that later on when someone does finally have the cash to do it, either they saw your imagery. Like the one thing about standing out is that it can stick in your mind no matter what. I, I, the, the weirdest thing to do is the one bit that neither of us probably really are involved in too much is how many advertisement jingles do you know from a decade or 20 years or whatever ago because it just stuck in your head? And it's the same. It is the same with other things. Music is a bit more because it, it does get stuck in your head a little bit more. 
but visuals can be the same. Copy can even be the same. Like if a visual stops you and you read something, it's like, yeah, I totally agree with this. This is how I, I haven't got the money right now to, to, to partake in this, but I, I'll have to remember this person and come back later. And that's how important it can be. Because if you just blend in, then when someone does finally say, I've got the money to do this. So in your case, like I've got, I've got the money to finally learn how to drive. Who's the best? If there's 20 people who all look the same and seem to offer the same with no personality, and then there's your avatar dressed as Hellraiser, pinhead, um, like with a Halloween special, just like, don't let roads be murderous to you. Wait, hold on. Um, <laughs> well, that's the new tagline. Um, that then someone's going to see that stand out and go, that's a bit daft. That's a bit interesting. Let me remember that. Now, like I say, there's going to be people who aren't into the sillier side of things. They do want something and there will be some one for them. But again, their branding can match that. Like the more, I don't know how to describe it other than like, I always call it clear cut and crisp because I, I see my art as there's never a straight line unless I really try to put a straight line and everything is hand drawn. So clear cut and crisp, complete images are just, you'll never see that come from me. Your road signs, yes, they were made using special tools to make them nice and crisp and straight. You, no, hand drawn, should have been pencil really, but you know, on computer for speed and everything. But that that is that is what you wanted. That is who you are. Like I couldn't imagine you with very straight, normal, crisp, clean lines. Like, yeah, come drive with me. I shall teach you the drivey things. Um, I mean, probably should just clarify now for anyone listening that the avatars that you see, the the pictures of me that you see drawn online, they're all done by Ian. The uh, five minute theory podcast cover was completely done by Ian, and I think that's actually quite a uh, a good example of how you work in that. I was kind of asked you to design this podcast cover for me, and you sent me the first couple through, and I'm like, yeah, they're all right, they're good, but it wasn't quite clicking for me. And then you sent me Ooh. a third one. I remember messaging back, that's it. That's the one. It's like me in front of a chalkboard with it written on it. Like, awesome. That's exactly what I want. Can we just tweak this? You're like, yeah, no problem. We tweaked it. And, and so your process there was awesome. All that that stuff you see there is 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 all from Ian. But I think I want to come back a little bit to where you would suggest people start. Because where I started was the Facebook avatar, sort of particularly visually, if you like. I started with that Facebook avatar. And it really made me laugh because I genuinely got it. So it looked exactly like me. It, it was my double. Um, but when you see a Facebook avatar on Facebook, you know it's a Facebook avatar. It, it, mm. The poses or whatever, you, you know what it is. Whereas when you look at mine or, or one you've drawn, for example, you you know it's something different. But for someone that's just starting out, do you think that that sort of Facebook avatar would be a good place to start and then expand from there? Yes, definitely. Like as much as um, because the dangers of those Facebook avatars is they can look very much the same. Um, I know one day I was scrolling down and two people had picked the same background, the same pose and had very similar titles across both of them. And so I went down and it made it easier to just scroll past them because suddenly it was just a repetitive image. So that can be dangerous. But at the same time, if that's your budget, those are better than nothing. Like that's if they get who you are across, then that works better than just having just words. Because the one thing about having just words is a lot, like I say, a lot of, of business now is done where someone is just scrolling through their phone and it, there needs to be something that stops them. 
And the reason usually visuals are is because your eyes can just read visuals where to read words takes that little bit longer. Now, for some people, words are paramount. They want to read something. So, yeah, a title, boom, they know what they're getting. But other people are just flicking through. And in the culture of things like memes, even TikTok with videos now, it is very much a visual thing that stops you scrolling. Your brain will go, oh, what's that? That that looks interesting. And then you stop for that bit. And that's where then the copy has to grab and, and pull the person in. So it's almost like fishing. Like you've got to have that perfect um, hook that draws the fish in. And then it isn't just a case then that the fish grabs on and, yeah, I have a fish. There's still work to be done after that. So it's all about it coming together. But if all you can afford is those Facebook avatars, that's your budget, then yeah, learn to play with them or find something else where you can uh, play with it. You know, you've got all these weird AI drawing systems at the minute where you can sort of get random images off. And the good thing about them is they are a bit more standouty in that they don't look the same. You just don't quite get what you're at. You get the weirdest sort of things that come out of them. So there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. Um, the only reason I would say then at some point, if, if, it, if you are starting to um, develop as a business, if you are making money, then paying something extra to them making you stand out further should be on the list somewhere. There should be a certain point where it's like, right, I can spend some money on this now. Let's give it a try and see what happens. Because the danger is, is that like you'll you'll hit a point where you, you get to a certain level and you will look like all these other people who have who are using the Facebook avatars. And if that's working for them, that's great. But if that you want to go to the next level, then you need to make that jump into standing out that little bit more. Now, it might be that you go a little bit away. It might be that you don't want that character at all. You want something different. I mean, um, again, another client recently, uh, Phil Cowley, wanted a, a, a cow to to sell uh, their business with this this image of this driving instructor who's a cow person. I was just like, oh, this sounds like fun and this is right up my alley. And then we created that together and that went out into the world. And the thing is about that is that, that in a way, that is this wonderful image, this thing that makes things different. But if it had just been an avatar from Facebook, it would have worked, it would have been nice, but it wouldn't have been the next level up of sort of standing out and grabbing people's attention. And now, I know it's my artwork as such, but now I'll be flicking through my, my, my Facebook and I see that image and it makes me grin. I'm like, hey, I did that. But I see people commenting on that. And, you know, you see the likes and everything and the people like interacting with that. And part of that is the visuals. Part of that is the content. Part of it is the copy. It all comes together to make someone stop and interact. And that's, again, it's it, the best idea i can come up with is the fishing like once that hook goes in it's got to attract the client who is your little floppy fish but then it doesn't just grab on and you pull a fish into the boat you've then got to work with that you've got to pull them in with other things so to begin with facebook avatars i'm not dissing them to, to me as an artist it's like oh, <laughs> stealing my job but in the end not everyone can afford that and i would never expect anyone to put that above other things in their business there are definitely other things that money should go into first to develop you but there is a certain point where you've just got to make that next leap of let's put something that invests into the company a different way and branding is one of them like making yourself stand out 
you put a brilliant comment, or, or I love the fact you commented, I should say, on a, a post. So my last episode was with Phil Cowley, and I did the cover art for it, and it was the avatar that you'd drawn for me, and it was the avatar that you'd drawn for, for Phil, and it was just great that you commented, and I, like, I recognise those two. And it's, <laughs> you know, you spoke at the start of podcasts about 14-year-old Ian. How, how, how cool would 14-year-old Ian have found that? He, he would have been like, you didn't do, there's no way that this is a thing. This is not something we would have done. Um, he was shy when he was doing art. He definitely did not think anything of himself. It was just something he did to entertain himself. There was no way he would ever make money from just drawing silly pictures, essentially what it, what it boils down to. So, yeah, it that comes back into that expertise thing of looking back at what you once did where you've come, what you've learned, and how far, and look into the future and say, well, what can I develop to go even further? But definitely, like, that was this weird moment, almost surreal, of just, like, I did both of them, and they're in one place together now. But again, that's part of that community thing I was talking about, where if you, if, like, you don't have a, someone who is a customer but was willing to suggest you, you start to make other friends and other clients from that constant referral. What's another thing about standing out? If if people are willing to refer you, then you must be standing out in some way, whether it is the product you give or whether it is the person you are. But your branding will will represent that. Your branding, like it can be hard. It can be hard to be nice to yourself. It's it's one of the most difficult things humans do. And that's a whole mental health thing. Like we're just terrible at being nice to us. We will happily drop everything for other people. But when we need something, we often are like, oh, uh. and if you look beyond that and actually go, what am I good at? What, like, how do I speak? What's what when I'm interacting with my friends? When when are they like? When are we all the most entertained? Is it when I'm being silly? Is it is it when I'm being informative? Like, I, have I got that kind of personality where if I speak, people stop? I've got that friend. I've got a friend who will start talking, and everyone in the room just stares and like, wow, <laughs> and the. There's, I can't say anything like their voice is no certain way. They're just able to hold that authority. And they can be funny. They can be serious. They're brilliant at that. And then there's people like me who relies on being silly and weird and entertaining in a different way. But that, if you get that across to all these people, then the right people will come to you. But like I say, for me, I get like a lot of neurodiverse people will come to me because i I'm not in any way diagnosed with anything, but I've tried to get diagnosed to the way my because of the way my brain works. Like it's very erratic. I, I get five ideas and they all try to escape my face at the same time. Um, I can't sleep due to my brain constantly being active. And people have gone, you should get tested. I was like, I've tried. It's not gone anywhere. But people have come to me and they they sort of info dump. They'll be like, oh, all these things, and I'll be I'll be able to pick it to pieces because it's like this is how my brain works. And then, like I say, the weird and the strange and the wonderful and the wacky will also come to me because they see that that's the person I am. I'm I'm not straight laced. I'm not grey business suit. Like you're gonna get the strange avatars I do of myself. The silliness is part of the work. Having fun. I mean, I talked to I can't even remember who it was. We were we were chatting about businesses in general, and it's like, why would you start your own business? and want to make money through what you do if it's more stressful and you don't enjoy it 
to begin with, your your personal business probably will be stressful. It'll be hard to set up. It'll it'll be a whole learning curve of all sorts of strange things that you didn't even think of. Like, I think again back to Mark Kington, who I was talking about the the copyright. He he wanted to do a post what talked about words that people maybe didn't know in business, and he came to me because I'd just start out, and he's like, "When I say stuff, is there anything you?" don't recognize and I'm like oh yeah loads this 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 and he's like well they're all really simple things I was like yeah for someone who's been in business all this time I haven't I've not been around even a year yet and you say some of this stuff and it just melts my brain so that sort of serious side that sort of um like I grasp onto the weird and the strange and the wonderful and the silly because I don't have that vocab if you like if someone goes to someone and goes oh i need my seo to increase can you help with an seo i'll be like you tell me what one is oh maybe <laughs> and they're like oh don't you know it's like, oh, uh. so when someone comes to me it's like i need a giraffe in a suit i'll be like oh well we can work together then <laughs> well if you're listening and you don't know what seo is go check out the episode with nick Hawks from season three because she tells you all about it <laughs> there we go that one even planned oh, <laughs> And we're just taking a slight pause in the show to give a big shout out to Kev Brock, the latest sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium because Kev won the competition that I did at the Intelligent Instructor Expo where he took a picture of me on stage and posted it and he now gets a year's free premium subscription. So Kev gets access to all of the content over there, over six exclusive shows that get added to every month, including things around coaching, the standards check, your driving school business, all that kind of cool stuff. Plus, it gets access to loads of discounts for things like Bob Mark's Planet Set of Learning, San Harper's Guild and Mindful Drivers. Again, loads of exclusive discounts over there. If you want to find out more, head over to the website www.theinstructorpodcast.com. You can find the premium section. You can find all the bonus shows we do over there. You can look and see what discounts you can get. And you get access to me as well. So for £10 a month, well worth checking out. So you can head over to the show notes, use the link there, or check out the website www.theinstructorpodcast.com. But for now, let's get back into the show. But you, you spoke there a bit, sort of about you and about the way you work. And I think that, you know, coming away from that, we said the Facebook avatars, the... The thing for me when I came to you was I I didn't have loads of money. You know, I couldn't go and do the the branding that I wanted you to do for me. But what I could do and what we spoke about was potentially creating the these avatars. And this is where I think you provide excellent value, not just quality, but value, in that you try and make it as feasible for people as you can. You know, I'll let you explain this better than I do, but I know that you kind of you create the person, then you create ways to manipulate that that person well yeah it's 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 the only way i can describe it is sort of like puppeteering like puppets are not one object you get like you know you'll have like um muppets who are a mouthpiece and usually a stick that moves the arm but they're all separate components and then there are marionette puppets who are even more complicated and the thing about the avatars is where they are an object, they are often I send PNGs out to people so they can drop them into programs like Canva and, and use them with their content. But 
often what you don't know is that they are in four or five different wet parts. Uh, the main one is I have a few uh, heads of you just floating about in your file. Because then if you say, oh, I need a new pose, rather than have to draw your head from scratch again, I might have to change some features on it to match the body. But rather than draw the head from scratch again, I can draw the body and then put the head on to see if it works. And that is like a, a, a like something I've learned along the way, because not only is that something that means it can reduce the cost. So like when you don't have the budget, you can just pay for small amounts and you get a lot out of it. But the other thing is just from a personal point of view, I've had it where a person's got the money and said, draw all this for me. And I've drawn it and it's just a solid object. And then they go, I like that. But can now can you do this? I need this as well as that. And I'm like, oh, I've got to like delete parts of this and draw it all again. So as I'm producing it, I look at ways I can go, well, a, a, a big one that happens more often than I thought it would is actually making my avatars have no hands because they'll often have a hand holding something. And then I go to draw and go, wait, no. So I remove the hand. I'll draw the hand to make it look like it's attached to the arm. But then I will separate that, have a blank hand. Then I will draw it with the object they've asked. And the amount of times, like a month or two down the line, they're like, can you make that thing hold something else now? And that's not only saved time for me, but it's saved time for the client. And it keeps the cost down as well. Because then it is just a, a, a you know a much shorter job rather than having to redraw an entire object. So I've, I've it's it's again it's back to that customer service of often things can be quite quick. You need something suddenly for whatever reason. If I've got to redraw something, then I have to consider my time and the cost of that time. Where if someone comes to me and is a repeat client who wants lots of stuff, then I can basically make it so it's easy for me to change things and manipulate them but they also get it in a timely manner. Like they, they may need it for whatever reason. I've, I've, you know, I've had clients who go, Oh, don't rush with this. Don't worry about it. We'll get there when we need, but I've had others who go, can you have this done by this Friday? And you're like, okay, let's, let's, let's try that. So learning those techniques and this is the, I'm an expert. This is one of those things of, of another consideration of why someone is an expert. It's you might learn that, to save you time to help someone else but not think of it as that's what's made you the expert because that's not a skill you can teach that's essentially a life lesson because you've drawn something or you've written something or you've created whatever it is you've created and then someone goes I love it but can you change that and then I've the nightmare story I got told within my profession the art profession uh, my tutor Kieran Phelps absolutely wonderfully weird guy the reason I moved to Cheltenham and went to uni there I had um three unis that I wanted to go to but I thought I'll visit them all first the other two bland and boring just didn't really stand out I, I even got talking to some of the students in one of them and they basically were like yeah this city's dull we all go to London for nights out and it's like oh right okay and I met this man and he, we went to the graphic design building and he was like, this is the graphic design. It's all modern. And we went to the top and he goes, uh, the reason I brought you here isn't to show the level of technology and the things we have access to. I just like to come here and lord it over all the graphic design students because I know I'm better than them. And then he just turned around and just leaned down and looked at them. And I was like, I will follow this man <laughs> into a fire. Um, but he was a lovely guy. But he had a, a nightmare once where when he was a he's still a traditionalist, I imagine to this day, but. He painted this surreal landscape for a magazine. 
went to them, said, here's the art. And they were like, we love it. But can you make that tree in the middle purple? And it was an acrylic painting. And he had to go to his wife, who is a digital artist, and go, how do I do it? Because I do not have the time to do this again. And they can't pay me any more money. So she then taught him the next thing, the next level of it, where he painted the tree separately. They dropped it in digitally. They manipulated it so it was over the top. He went back and they were like, perfect, we'll print it. And he learned that valuable lesson where basically, even though he knew it was digitally added, so to him it's like, oh, digital, bleh, not traditional. They didn't know. They didn't know the difference because it was still a traditional painted tree over a traditional image. It was just manipulated digitally. And so he learned from them that actually he can still stay a traditional artist with this as an extra tool. He didn't just abolish it after that. I was like, it worked once, I'm never doing it again. He then learned and took his skill to the next level. So that's that's a big part of being an expert is going, I have made a huge mistake. How do I not make this in the future? Or how do I make it so we don't get to this point? And yeah, like that is what I do with the avatars. I will look and go, right, how can I make this that if this person comes and wants this differently? And like I say, for yourself, there's all these little heads. It's just your your heads are just floating about the the file that I have. So I can sort of sketch your body under it and go, yeah, that one works. We'll go with that one. Compared to like when I first started where I draw a whole thing, finish a whole thing, and then someone's like, great, but can you do this now? And it's like, guess I start again. You were... You always make me laugh when we do something new because you'll send me like three versions through and there'll be one with kind of a, a toothy smile, one with a big smile and one just like with a little smirk almost. I'm like, get rid of the two big smiles straight away. And that's just my thing because I don't like my smile. Um, if you ever watch me, you'll see that I always kind of consciously try and keep my mouth closed. And so whenever I see that, even though it looks good on the, the artwork, I'm like, screw you, Ian, trying to highlight that this. That is a big... That's a big thing. Like, that's not you. That's not something you do. So why would it be there? Like, it's there literally because I drew it and we just have those faces floating about. That's it. I know they will never be there. I will still use them to the... Um, But I I think everything you spoke about there is, you know, it's part of your brand. You know, anyone that comes to you knows they're going to get honesty and value, not just the quality, but they get the honesty and value. And and I want to go right back to something you said at the start, and if you use the phrase of um, getting ideas out of people's heads, you know, people give you this information. I'm intrigued just just to pick at you a little bit at that and to see how you go about that. What's your process with that? You know what? From individual to individual, it can be very different. Like, the big part is always listen. Like you're, you're always gonna, like you could just, someone says, I want this and you could go idea, idea, idea. You can have all this, but it's about going, well, how did you think? What, what did you think? Is there something that you like? Is there something you don't want to see? So it can be that, but the process is more about getting to know them. And some people are just, you know, big and bold so when they come to you with something the idea just explodes like they are there their personality comes across and it's very very easy to sort of see it but there are people who come and go I'm not quite sure what I want and then it's about like well, what do you enjoy what what is it and there are people who are like oh, I don't like my face so I don't want my face to be on it and it's like cool but then what do you like if you want a character who sells your artwork what is it you like 
And one person I got talking to was really big into a, a German Shepherds. So her character became a dog. That's what, and it, from there, we just kept backwards and forwards and like, well, is the dog just a dog or are we, are we going more for arts and crafts to deal with this? And bit by bit, we created this character and an idea for the character. And again, it wasn't, its name came from talking. So it's, it's listening. The biggest part is just listening to the person, listening to what they say. Um, it sounds weird, listening to what they do. And that's a strange one to say, listen to what someone's doing. Because if you sort of pay attention to someone, whether it's a video like this, so you've got body language and stuff, or if you go onto their page and just see what they do, there's a certain listening to it. And that comes from, that's the sort of art history I love. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of art history. I'm no good at dates. I couldn't tell you when any of these big famous artists were alive. And I'm quite hazy about the timeline. But every art movement has a sort of reason behind it. Like there's a reason why it is. So you have to learn to read between the lines of art. And sometimes a painting is just a painting. It's there because the artist wants to do it. Other paintings are trying to tell a story somehow. And other paintings are the artist having a jab at the person without them knowing because they've created a visual language. Like a big one is if you go to a portrait gallery of classical paintings, you'll often see couple portraiture. So there'll be like this Tudor couple and they're all like, and there's the woman sat in the chair, the big dress, and the man's behind like, I'm a man, stood up, because that's what men do, we stand and do things. But they'll sometimes have like a litter of dogs around them or there'll be cats here, there and everywhere. And the chances are they didn't have any dogs or cats. But the artist has gone, oh, yeah, people having dogs in their painting are big right now. Do you want a dog? I'll put a dog in. And they're like, oh, yeah, that'll be lovely. We, you know, we like these dogs and they'll paint them in. But the actual thing was, is that in portraits, dogs were representations of loyalty. So it actually meant that for everyone's intent and purpose and knowledge, those people were loyal. But if you ever saw cats, it meant that people reckoned that one of them was committing adultery. So that was a visual language. People do that all the time. Like it's, it, you can see someone saying something over and over again, and it's an idea they have. It's a part of their personality that comes through in the way they do things and the way they say things. So not the actual words, not the images they use, but the, the how they use them. And that's that again. That comes from the experts. Are, that comes from actually, like you know, we, we had to write all sorts of essays where you go and, and look at images and sort of try to pull them apart and dissect them. And a really, really big, um, uh, famous one, it's, uh, ooh, I was talking about this. It's called The Ambassador, I think is the painting. And I believe it's by Hans Holbein. And it's, you could say he was ahead of his time because they wanted a painting that represented um, colonialism that going over the world and and taking over everything and and taking their ideas and forcing them on people and he was like no i don't really agree with this this doesn't sound very nice and we're like well we're paying you money paint it he's like yeah okay everything other than the two people in it represent death <laughs> there is shelves in the background of all these future objects for them abacuses and world maps and all this sort of stuff everything is broken damaged or in some way has a representation one the ambassador himself there's two guys in it one of them is the ambassador he's got like a brooch what's a death head moth and death head moths kind of in the name what it represents 
Um, and then famously as well, there's like this ski whiff weird object floating on the floor in front of them. And ahead of its time, if you then, so if, you, if you're looking at the portrait, if you then go down to the bottom corner and look up, it's a skull. It's a skull that's been painted in such a way that to look straight on, it doesn't look very. But when you then go to the edge, it actually becomes a skull. So everything about the painting is, oh, death. But not knowing that, you'd look at it and go, yeah, it's two blokes. It's two blokes in a painting. Oh, okay. But you had to learn about it a little bit, look a bit deeper. And that's what I do with, with people. I try to, to look beyond just what you see. Because sometimes, like, when you kind of crack into it finally and get a little something else out of the person, it often opens up like a floodgate of something they've always wanted to talk about. And it can be quite personal sometimes. You end up like moderately like a counsellor to a few people where they're like, oh, I've always struggled with this thing. And it's like, well, actually, that's let's put the art aside. Let's talk about that for a minute because that's actually quite important. And, you know, imposter syndrome like plays a massive part in in branding when it comes to how people sell themselves because everyone's I, well maybe not everyone but everyone i seem to talk to suffers this moment of like why am i doing this how why why can i why can i be the one to sell this because there's people who are better than me i i couldn't be this good why should anyone buy this thing that i do from 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 me they can go elsewhere and probably get a better expert thing so again with the branding it's sort of like no because yeah there's, there's people who do this but you do this well as well you're you're great at this you whatever it is the, the amount of people where i've gone i don't know what you do but you do it really well like pr people who i'm like i don't even know what pr is but i see you selling people all the time you are great at getting people out there so you're great at this job but you just have you have to have that self-confidence and it's difficult so again branding can be quite hard in that aspect because you are you are looking at yourself and instead of going, these are all the good things I wish to sell. You're like, here's all the bad things I want to hide. And it's like, well, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about the good stuff. It's uh, it's interesting. I mean, oh, that's po- that's possibly the most highbrow this show's ever got, by the way. But I think um, you spoke again about imposter syndrome and, you know, it's probably taken me to get to this sort of 100 episode mark to actually really properly accept that I'm doing a good job. Um, and you know that's sort of hundred hours in, but like with the premium content I do, the stuff that people take ten quid a month for, that's a whole other thing. So to promote that, that's that's where it gets scary for me. But but just coming back to your artwork for for a moment, your illustrations. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I love what you do, and you've done some really awesome stuff and some very interesting stuff let's say so my personal favorite is the one that you uh you did for me which was the uh the defender of the industry the the car door in one hand and the gay stick in the other and yeah and that came from your brain which was was awesome but what are some of your highlights of some of the ones you've you've drawn oh god um oh now that's hard that's actually really really difficult that one was fun i'll, I'll admit that was great because that was bringing your who you are your job and also marvel like and comic books in general so that's always a good fun thing oh that's actually the hardest thing you've asked me my brain my brain has properly blanked out because i just have so much fun like i'm doing a naughty thing but i can't talk about it at the minute i'm doing a naughty thing for someone but i can't speak about it because it's not out in the world yet what has been 
absolutely like when the person goes can you draw this I'm like I'm drawing it right now because this is so much I'm well into this I suppose working with um Tega so Tega's one of my clients and like he does all sorts like um he's a big industry professional but you you like in in the groups I travel in there's always several people who sort of know him and and the work he does um and he was like one of my my first clients and I think that has a special thing, but it's also the development of his work has always been fun because when he started, he didn't know what he wanted. So we were playing around with lots of concepts. And then he always describes himself as this old soul trapped in a younger body. And he started to do like Greek mythology and it really worked for him. And it just got bigger and bigger and become more and more a part of what he does. And that is really good fun to do. Like the the Greek mythology mixed in with his character is really lovely because I, I do love like all the sorts of different mythoses of the world, like how we, we come across like all the different ideas of like, how does this work? And someone comes up with this mad, ingenious idea. Like um, I always say it wrong, but there's a narcissist in Echo. Uh, uh, Echo is one of Hera's handmaidens and Narcissus was this gorgeous man who everybody loved and then he saw his reflection and he just lost himself and Echo wasn't allowed to speak unless she repeated what was said to her and she fell in love with Narcissus because he wouldn't say I love you to anyone other than himself she could never repeat it so when he finally passed away he turned into flowers and they are called Narcissus flowers they they hang over rivers and just they look like they're looking at themselves in the river and Echo retreated to a cave where she faded away and only her, her voice remained. And that's how they came up with how Echoes work. I mean, that, that's that's the takeaway from this podcast, I think, today. We now know how Echoes work. That's that, was, that's that crazy thing. So when we started to develop this more um, a, a rounded character around Greek mythology, it just started to become more and more fun because cause it narrowed down the where it was going it actually made it wider and what we could do with it and I was just having so much fun and again it made me go back and read a lot of these myths that I'd kind of forgotten the mid-ground of everything like um we were we were recently doing um uh, oh what is oh the name's gone out my head now um Icarus we were doing flying too close to the sun and 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 what it can do and I went and, and read the story and I always just thought because he was excited he you know he flew and and got a bit too close and his wings fell apart but on reading the story again found out it was he was basically defying god because only gods could go that high and he was like look at me i'm better than god and the gods was like are you now and all all his father could do was watch him fall to the earth in the end because of he defied the gods and yeah not a good idea so we were able to translate that into a story and that had more of a comic book feeling. So we got to work in this sort of framed way, not just here's an avatar and a character. We actually got to like have frames and, and it told a story. And again, that was not, I drew a bunch of pictures and I was like, which one do you want? And, and Tega went, yes. So what do you mean? Yes. Like, and he was like, I want it all. This is brilliant. This'll be, this'll be perfect. So I got to draw a comic essentially. What I don't get to do very often. It's not, not something I ever really aspire to. I'm terrible at trying to stick to one thing. Anytime I've tried drawing a comic, I get bored. I'm like, I need to go off and draw, a, I don't know, an aubergine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it 
it was so exciting to do for someone else, like take their idea and develop it into frames and story. And, and it's, there's a long, long time ago when we finished uni, we went to a book, uh, a, a, a book press convention where we were just a university showing off our, our end of year thing. What was a book? Everyone made a book. And I unfortunately missed out on this, but the children's laureate had come along, picked up some of his favorite books and had gone to a talk on modern day children's books and actually held up mine. And the thing he pointed out was the fact that there was no words in it. I'd written a story that actually wasn't written. It was just images. And one of the things that I'd loved about it is everyone who then flicked through it had their own idea of what was going on in the story and how it sounded. Like they almost added their own sound effects. In. And this was reminiscent of that because there's no speech bubbles, there's no sound effects. It's just the story and how people interpret it. And that's always something about art. I, I, I usually leave interpretation up to what people see. Like you can, there's, there's a, I think it's a famous I want to say famous, but there's a famous poem called Red Wheelbarrow and it's just gibberish. But the idea is you read it and you read into it however you want to read into it. It's your own context. You add and mess with it and you see what you want to see. Well, stepping away from Greek mythology and uh, poetry, um, mm. I'd like to finish by asking people their ultimate driving song. But just before I ask you that, do you want to just tell everyone listening where they can find you and what you can? I know we've covered it a bit in the show, but where they can find you and what you can offer. So basically, I obviously, you know, the avatars and everything, I just call it branding. But really, it's I'm I'm an artist. I offer up art. My services are if you want a pretty picture to go on your office wall, I'll do you a pretty picture to go on your office wall. If you want your entire social media group to be completely branded in a certain way, I do that too. And if you like those as the extremes, I do everything in the middle as well. Um, um, I The biggest thing I offer at the minute is I do a lot of content work where it's um, all sorts of visual content to go with copy that go onto news feeds with the idea that you don't have to worry so much because visuals, if you're not really into them and you're trying to use a program like Canva, it can be very difficult as a learning process. And I just take that out. You get the picture you want, and then you get it presented in the way that you want it. But also on top of it, you still get all the objects that if you then want to go into Canva, you happily can go off and make your own stuff as well. And yeah, if, if you have a creative idea and you want to come and be like, hey, can you draw this? I'll be like professionally or just for fun, because <laughs> that sounds like a good time for me. Come join me, like come laugh at my art, come come just hang out. I, I use my page as a place to just, be free. I, I I have a thing of posting a meme a day because I, I like to break everything up with just silly. Let's have something that just breaks up everything in the middle. And it's Halloween season, so they're all spooky involved. As for where you can find me, oh well, I'm on every social media. What's what's you know the standard, but it's probably my beacon. What what gets you everywhere? My shops, my social media pages. And if you sort of search Ian A. Blakeman, you'll probably find me um, via that. But I'll uh, I'll drop you a link, I guess, and you can you can plaster it wherever you need to plaster it. Uh, and you can find links for Ian in our show notes as well. Make sure you check out the show notes. There's all useful stuff in there. Um, but let me ask you this, and Ian, to wrap up on. What is the ultimate driving song? What would you put on, whether you were driving or whether you were kicking back with your feet up on the dashboard, which you shouldn't do, by the way, but... 
Uh, what's the ultimate driving song? I don't know. I don't drive. I'm a cyclist. <laughs> what's the ultimate cycling song? What would you have on in your headphones while you were cycling? You know what? I'm I'm I get quite distracted by music that's sort of really in your face. So if I was if I was driving or cycling, I even though I love the idea of playing some really like heavy rift music or something, what be great fun. I feel like I'd start to speed up as as the song went on. So I'd actually go with my favorite classical piece, what is the Lark Ascending, because it's just relaxed and chilled, and I could imagine just I could imagine just cycling for no reason other than cycling to it, just letting myself follow some paths and things. Um, and just getting lost in both the music and that. So yeah, weirdly, I'd, I'd probably have more of a classical sounding thing. Like I, I use that in work when I'm in my day job. I have an easy listening um, radio and a classical music radio that I listen to to let me just chill out and not because I'll, I'll put rock on and then I'll just forget that I'm in work and just be like, rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm meant to be chopping something at this point. Well, um, yeah, if, if you want to check out the Spotify playlist, you can find a link in the show notes or search for the Instructor Podcast on Spotify, and that will now have Ian's classical tune on there as well, which I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. I'm going to ask you to send me the, the link for that yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and drop it. Drop I'm not going to try one. and search and for that one. You, every Everyone is allowed to skip it because I think being a classical piece, it, you know, it goes on for days. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, uh, no, thank you for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure people take away some uh, some takeaways around branding and why it's important to stand out and all that kind of stuff. And we've even learned about a bit about Greek mythology as well and why echoes are kind of called echoes. So that's quite cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Ian. It's been a pleasure. No, it's been lovely as well. And yes, I've survived to the end. COVID did not did not take me away from you or take my voice away. I feel it trying to escape. I do feel at the back of my throat is like, you're not going to have a voice in five minutes. Well, we're all very grateful. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, honestly, it's been lovely. So big thanks to Ian Blakeman there. I hope you got as much from that episode as I did. But I want to give another thanks, and that thanks is to everyone that leaves me a review, whether that's on Apple, on Spotify, on Facebook, on Google, wherever you can leave a review. I appreciate them all. So I thought I'd take a time to read out a couple. So these two are ones that appeared on my Apple account, and the first is titled Five Star Listing, which is already getting off to a good start. And this goes, Five Star Listing for all ADIs and PDIs, Great guests and amazing subjects discussed every week. I literally listen with a notepad and pen to hand and always have stuff to try with my pupils or things to look up and educate myself with. Best form of CPD I've found yet. I even get a cheeky wee discount for Bob Morton's client set learning course by subscribing to Terry's premium content. Winner, winner. Um, there is no name with that one, but it's titled HB1 South. I think I know who it is, but I won't say just in case. What a lovely review. I really appreciate that. I think that's, um, I think that accurately sums up what I'm trying to actually get across. I'm giving a different forms of CPD. I love the fact that he said it's the best one of CPDs found yet. That's smashing. And he signed up to the premium content and then got a discount for Bob Martin's, Bob Martin's client set of learning, which means in effect is getting the premium for free. So a big thank you for that review. The next one that I want to mention is possibly my favourite review ever, and you will find out why when I read it. 
It's another five-star review, and it's titled, Thank You. And it goes, Just want to say I finally passed my part three yesterday. I don't get better than that, does it? I think uh, if I stop reading there, I think I'd be happy enough. But she goes on to say, I had a great trainer. However, I have learned so much from listening to you and your guests on the podcast. I joined for the premium content, which has helped me to be even more prepared. So many great tips from you, Bob, Chris, Lee and Kev. Listened and re-listened and took lots of notes and shall continue to do so. Thank you for an amazing resource resource even there you go i shall tell as many as i can and that's from sarah now adi what a lovely review i love the fact that uh a i've managed to help someone even if indirectly rather than directly that's the goal of this podcast and b that they've actually taken the time to write your review so yeah big thank you there i really appreciate it and if you'd like your review read out you know what to do leave me a nice one But for now, I'm going to let you enjoy the rest of your day. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. 